Welcome, everybody. Here is another episode of Make Up Your Life with your host, me, Devon. Today, we have an, an- another amazing guest. So, so excited to introduce her, Erin Kruger Makesh. Welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yes. And, and thank you for getting up so early because it's like 8 a.m. over in, in your neck of the woods, right? Yes, but that's that's a pretty late time for makeup artists, usually in film and television. They're usually at work around 4.30 or 5 in the morning. So um, they would have already been at work for a while. So I'm, I'm happy to get up uh, and get my day started. I'm actually working on something right now that I go in a little bit later. So this is perfect. Yeah, that's great. So a little bit about Erin Kruger-McKesh, for those of you who have not heard of her, which is almost impossible, but we'll assume <laughs> that not maybe everyone has. Um, She has over 33 years of television and film experience as a makeup artist and is diversified in beauty, makeup effects, and design. She is is a member of IATSE, um, also the PGA, PGA, which is Producers Guild Award winner. Um, She started her career in Los Angeles. Were you born and raised in Los Angeles? Yes, I'm uh, fourth generation um, Southern Californian. And uh, yes, and my niece is the fifth, which is pretty cool. And then, um, uh, yeah, my whole family is from from California, and I I still love living here very much. Love that. Uh, Erin has won eight Emmys, seven for makeup and one for producing, 10 Artesian Awards, as well as 34 Emmy nominations for Outstanding Makeup, Prosthetic, and Non-Prosthetic. Yes. And a big part of your career, which we'll talk about a little later, was connecting with Ryan Murphy, who created hit shows like Nip Tuck, Lee, American Horror Story. Um, and so you've went, you worked with him for almost 17 years, right? Yes. Yeah, so, all his projects? Yes, we've been together for a long time. And um, yeah, started on Nip Tuck. I, um, my friend James McKinnon was the department head. He had done the pilot and wanted somebody to come on and be the, uh, at, that, at that time was called the key position, which is the second, uh, second in command. And um I came, I, he called me and he's a good friend of mine and he was going to be leaving to go do another show and wanted to turn it over to somebody responsible. And I guess that, that was me. And um, Ryan and I just kind of hit it off. We're about the same age. He's a couple of years older than me, but still in the same, you know, generation. And uh, we have the very, very similar likes and um, references and we just got each other really well. So we hit it off. And from there, we just started doing all the projects together and he would have me leave shows sometimes a little bit early to go start another show. And that turned into me leaving to go do Glee. And then I was on Glee for a couple seasons and, um, and he said, I have a, I have a new project that is right up your alley um, called American Horror Story. And I thought, Oh, that's definitely up my alley. Um, I've have a huge love of monsters and makeup effects. And I always have almost my whole life since I can remember. Um, and that was, that was the beginning of, um, I had been nominated a couple times for, um, for, for Nip Tuck, which was absolutely, I still remember the first time I was nominated. I was just so blown away. Um, and it was an amazing experience to be nominated for uh, an award that your peers are giving you. Uh, it's just really awesome. And then I won my first one for a project I did with Ryan called the normal heart, which was about the um, AIDS crisis. Um, it was a play, it was a book and a play, and then they made it into a film and that was on 
HBO and I won for, um, for best makeup for that. And, um, along with my husband and it was, um, a really amazing experience and I've won quite a few since then. And I'm just, just, just still so honored to be, um, recognized by my peers. It really is just a, a, a huge thing. Um, I, I don't know if some people, I don't know if we could ever get old, <laughs> but, yeah. um, but I started, um, I started out with, um, it being makeup, being a love and, a, a passion and a love and a hobby. And I didn't know, of course, at the time with, you know, no technology then, you know, it's like rotary dial phones and four channels on the television. I didn't know that um, that could be a career. I didn't even know that there was makeup schools. I didn't know there were very few makeup schools and I don't think I could have afforded to gone to have gone to one anyways, if somebody had mentioned it. Um, but, you know, my, uh, in high school, I took a lot of art classes. I just wasn't sure how I was going to get to do makeup, but I, I just drew and, and went, and when I went to college, uh, I just went to a local college. I ended up getting accepted at, at Cal Lutheran and I ended up not going because I got a job in the film business and I, um, was so excited. I said, I'm just going to take a semester off. And my parents were like, okay, well, we support you. And I ended up not going back. I, I went back additionally to do some more college after that but um i i knew that that's what i wanted to do and i made every every move to be able to work in the film business so tell tell me when the love started like sometimes there's a pivotal moment in in our lives whether it be at five years old or 10 years old or 18 years old where you just were really attracted to the whole essence of creation and transformation i can remember two specific ages one was when i was seven um before that my parents had always been really my parents and grandparents were always obsessed with um halloween parties and dressing up and all that so i grew up in that in that, you know, genre, that, that vibe, that whole thing. And my dad bought us a, um, Frankenstein's monster mask when I was really little. I mean, I think I was five and he wore it. He was really tall and he wore it for my Halloween party. And I just remember being so fascinated by my mom had drawn scars on his wrists. And I was just like, Oh my gosh. Like just the whole concept of becoming somebody else was just so fascinating to me. So, um, there was a lot of, there, I think all of it is circumstantial and a lot of it has to do with the timing that I grew up in the seventies and that there was a lot of horror films on television and a lot of the, you know, the film, like the, the horror film fests were on Saturday, watched all those. My brother was really into monsters. So I was exposed to it more than maybe other girls would have been. Um, so I can remember like around seven, my mom gave me a little makeup kit and I would do like I did like a I didn't do like a clown makeup but I did like a zombie makeup on myself and I remember just being really blown away by it I mean it, obviously it was just a little bit of like dark circles and white face and stuff but I was just so intrigued with it and then I pursued I, I spent most of my childhood in the hospital um I had kidney problems I had um 15 surgeries by the time I was I think 14 or something and, oh, wow. and, um, I was very sick and I spent a lot of time fantasizing about all kinds of stuff, like getting out of the hospital, escaping the hospital, um, and, uh, how I was going to get to, I was in at UCLA medical center here in Los Angeles. And I just kept thinking, if I could just get to Westwood to like that McDonald's, I could call my mom and she could come get me. Like I would be very, 
uh, fantastical in my mind. So I really loved fantasy, sci-fi. I mean, if Harry Potter, the Harry Potter books had been around when I was little, I would have been dressing head to toe like, you know, one of the kids from the school. I was just so, yes. I loved witches and goblins and monsters, everything. I had books about it. Every My parents just knew exactly what to get me. So when I was 14, I was in high school and 1982 was the first year I was in high school. And that was a pivotal year of horror and, um, and stop, um, stop motion and all kinds of stuff. So it was like American War in London came out in 81, but it was showing with a double feature of the thing at the drive-in when I was a freshman in high school. I saw that thriller came out the next year. Um, oh my gosh. Poltergeist came out in 82 Raiders of the Lost Ark came out in 81 there was this two or three year period that was just saturated. And I was kind of like with Stranger Things, because all the kids have watched Stranger Things. I kind of lived that bike lifestyle where you got on your bike and you went places. And they, my parents let me like go to the theater um, when I was in, in, uh, in, during the summer, ride my bike to the theater for like a dollar, I could see a movie. It sounds so antiquated now. And it kind of sounds like my parents' story, but it actually happened. Um, in the 80s and you just rode your bikes everywhere so we would just do little movies we would it, it just was a whole saturated situation with my brother and his friends and us and we just would do whatever we wanted and have had a great time so 14 was the next big year that I was really just you know VHS was just starting MTV was just starting so Thriller came out and that was just a an absolutely worldwide experience and they were showing behind the scenes and I was like oh this is a, I mean I don't know why I didn't think that was a job but this is a, a a story that goes on and on and on with everybody that's my age or maybe a little, little bit older is I didn't know it was a job I mean there's no internet at this time you know it's like you're writing letters to people and I get information yeah. or if you get a phone number it was terrifying to call somebody like but I ended up going to all through school. It kind of kept coming back to makeup. I danced, um, you know, for like 15 years. Um, and I would always like, okay, we're going to do a tribute to Michael Jackson. I, we're doing the thriller one. Like I would do the zombie makeup on us and make the costumes and everything. So uh, it kind of just kept coming back to that. And when I got into college, I was taking art classes and I was like, I don't know where this is going. So um I was working at a ski shop and somebody brought in a flyer to Sandra Berman's um, Hollywood Film School and they were offering a special makeup effects course. Now, this was just completely one of those random things that I happened to be working that night and the guy happened to come in and hand me the flyer. So I brought it home to my parents. I'm like, this is it. I want to go to this. Please, can I go to this? And they're like, yes. So I, I was like a four-week course or I can't remember now if it was eight weeks or four weeks. It was on the weekends. And um, I took that course and... Uh, she was, uh, she passed away last December and, um, she was a lifelong friend and, um, helped me to kind of guide me in the right direction, got me numbers of places, um, you know, cause there was no Google then she got me places, uh, makeup effect shops. I went and applied over a summer. And as I started my sophomore year of college, I ended up getting a call from John Beekler that said, do you want to come in, you know, be like a runner and start helping out in the makeup effect shop. And I, my parents very supportively let me go do it. And um, so I was driving from where I grew up in Agora to North Hollywood. I had never driven like maybe two miles past my own home. So I was, this was like a huge adventure. 
as an mm-hmm. 18 year old. Cause I went to, I, I was just, uh, my first year, I was a little bit younger than everybody. So I was, um, just going to be 19. And so, uh, I started there and he started letting me do little things. Cause I had this tiny bit of experience from this makeup effects school that I went to. I kind of knew a little bit about products. I knew a little bit about how to do things, but he kind of let me do it. So I got to sculpt, run foam, make molds. And I stayed in the makeup effects shops and kind of worked my way around. I worked for Stan Winston. I worked for Rick Baker. I worked for Bart Mixon. I worked for Rick Lazzarini. And I kind of just worked my way around and until I was doing a lot of mold making. Uh, that was pretty much my full-time job and doing um, a little bit of finishing work. And um, at one point, I decided that I really, really wanted to be on set. And I really wasn't going in that direction, staying in the shop. So I had to kind of back up, take another path. And, um, I was doing, I said that I would do work in makeup effects shops and do finishing work, which was like hair work, seaming and painting. Um, because I wanted that, I knew that that would benefit my application doing, um, you know, prosthetic application. And eventually I managed to get a job over at um, ABC working on general hospital and they let me do all their prosthetics. I was like 22 at the time. And, Oh my gosh, what, what were the prosthetics like? There was a lot of like reveal (laughs) things like, aha, it's Robert Scorpio, you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) So, and I was literally like going off of book knowledge. Like I took, I ended up uh, applying and, and getting into Dick Smith's advanced makeup course. So a lot of my stuff and everything was out of book back then. Like you, I took that makeup effects course from Sandy, but a lot of it was reading and practicing on on my leg or on a friend or whatever. So I kind of was like, oh, I can, (laughs) I can do that. (laughs) So I, I would just do it. And I would, I mean, I've researched and practiced, of course, but I would just, I just had a lot of good, I had good confidence and I wasn't afraid to try things. And my boss Donna Messina, who has also since passed away, she was very confident. I think they didn't want, they didn't want to do it. They like to do the beauty stuff and they would, they did, you know, bruises and stuff, but she would always, she would always be there for me. So I was, I had this kind of amazing person that was helping me do these prosthetics, but I was learning so much just by doing it and by having the confidence to say, yes, I'll do it. Like I, I, I've heard that over and over again about my young self from mentors of saying, oh, you'd always just say yes. So (laughs) I have a friend that would say, you always say yes. And then say, why did I say yes? And I always say no and say, I should have said yes. And that's the difference between getting the opportunity or making the phone call or, or, you know, putting yourself in a situation that might be uncomfortable, but you can you know, you can do it. You just have to be confident enough to do it. So that was kind of, I think what propelled me. And I really wanted to get in the union. It was because of that kidney issue. I, there was a gap point where I wasn't on my parents' insurance anymore and I was having to pay for insurance. And it was at the time, my God, it was so expensive. It's still expensive now, but, um, yeah, it was unreasonable. It was like, I mean, for somebody that was making a very small amount of money, and having to pay rent and a car, a very small car payment, feed myself, and then have um, a, an insurance. It was like $250 a month. And in 1991 or whatever it was, I just could barely do it. So I was like, the only way this is going to work for me is if I get in the union. So 
I took a class, I took a day class through UCLA Extension and Michael Westmore, and he taught a full day of out of kit stuff, how to do beards and bruises and broken noses and mustaches and I mean, on and on and on. And I learned so much in that one 10 hour day. And I went up to him and I showed him my book and I said, I make molds and um, I would love to come work for you. <laughs> and he said, as soon as you get in the union, you can come work for me. And I said, okay. So I it was like almost just about two years later, I got in the union because of America, because of, I'm sorry, I, from working on general hospital, I got all my days through the non-union way, which was at the time, 50 days a year for three years. I called him up and I started on Star Trek the next day. He like totally kept his word and, and brought me in. And he's one of my, you know, one of my mentors. And, um, I have several men, I have many mentors, but, um, he was one of my really big ones because, he said, if you come in and, and you can do makeup in the morning and you can go over to the shop and do molds in the afternoon, I'll get you all of your insurance hours because you have to get a huge amount right off the bat. And um, okay. so you have to get 600 or something, I think it is, um, right off the bat in order to qualify. And I said, yes. And it turned out later when I was reading his book, which is fantastic. It's um, Makeup Man, I think it's called. Um, he was given that same opportunity at the, through, through his apprentice work. And so here he was paying it back to me. And I just, I just never forget that. I think it's just the most wonderful thing. And every time I see him, I tell him how much I appreciated him doing that, but he didn't, he didn't just do that for me. He did that for everybody. He was just, I, I looked up to him as far as how he, he could run three or four different shows at the same time at Paramount doing Star Trek. And I, I learned that I can handle a lot more than just doing one show, which led to me, uh, led me to, you know, overseeing quite a few of Ryan Murphy's shows, um, uh, as a, as a, you know, a little further down the line, but I saw him as the example. So, uh, he's, he's still an amazing human. It never, yeah. It never ceases to amaze me. The kind of support, um, that I, every time I interview somebody from, uh, Hollywood, you know, that is really integrated into so many feature films and, and famous films and, and even not so famous, the support for one another and how really every time somebody shares with me, you know, what kind of launched their career, it was almost always because of the support of another makeup yes. artist, which I feel like in any other industry in America, um, you know, things are very cutthroat sometimes. And it's, and I always thought the makeup industry was cutthroat. I mean, definitely for, um, you know, my experience and not definitely in Hollywood or any kind of, um, any kind of film or commercial work. That was not what I did, but it was very cutthroat. So I love the camaraderie and the, the, you know, the stories that um, just show so much, connection between one another which is really what we always I always thought the opposite well to be honest with you it is um (laughs) (laughs) it's just a fantasy no it's it's not a fantasy it's just that the the people that have given me opportunities have a lot a lot of times with makeup artists because they're so passionate and they and they want it so much they've put themselves in a in a situation to to be, to stand out, um, from other people. Um, so 
I'm going to hire the person that calls me and says, says, here's, here's my resume. Here's what I've done. Um, I'd love to come in and just meet with you. The person that puts themselves out there is the, are the people that end up getting the job or getting the help that they need. No one's going to hand you a job. No one's going to say, you know, you say, I really love doing makeup, but I'm just going to, you know, not going to contact anybody. No one's handing you anything in, in life there. No one's handing you anything. So when you, I, I worked so hard to get the job at ABC. I, I called every single week. I called every single station, ABC, CBS, NBC, every single week and asked them if I could come interview. And they always told me no. So it took me, I think it was almost a year before I could, before I got, ended up getting a job over at General Hospital. And I just piecemealed that job. I had like one day a week I would work and then they'd give me two days. So as much as looking back on my career and saying like, oh, this happened for me, this happened for me. It's because I put myself in those situations. I put myself out there and I did anything and everything for anybody that asked me. I didn't sit back. I didn't, I wasn't, um, you know, I, I tried not to have my feelings hurt when my feelings were hurt. I had, I tried not to be overly sensitive. I've been treated really badly in this business too, but I, there are time. there were times working in makeup effects shops. I was the only girl and there was, um, I was the only woman in makeup effects and it could be incredibly challenging to work in makeup effects shops. And it's one of the reasons why I ended up getting out too, is that, um, it was, it was just too much. Um, I was learning a lot, but I was starting to get kind of pigeonholed into doing molds. So the reason that people are successful and the reason that people get to do what they want to do is because they want it and because they love it. Um, I still love it. I, I, I picked, I ended up getting my hobby ended up turning into my career and that was because I truly loved it. And because I, I wanted to learn and I might not have been the most number one talented person that was out there, but I was the most enthusiastic. So enthusiasm, sure. I always say, you know, it's 10% talent, 90% enthusiasm. And it, and it really goes a long way to, um, I know my, I know my craft. I know my, my history. I know about, I know about makeup, all the makeup artists that have come before me that have, um, that have laid the ground for me to be able to walk upon. I know, I know everything about it. I'm, I'm passionate about every single aspect of my business and I still love it. And I, and I, I still, as somebody that is 52 and been doing this for 30 poor years. Oh my God. And it goes like, it goes by in a flash in a flash. I can, I remember the day I started in this business. I remember, I remember everything about that. I mean, there's times that I, that I'm happy to forget too, that were incredibly hard, but people remember the good parts. <laughs> they don't remember. They're not going to talk to you about how horrible it was because it's in the business. You miss birthday parties. You miss anniversaries. You miss your children's functions. You miss so many things in this business because it is long and hard, but it's incredibly rewarding. So, um, you know, I had, um, I was raising my um, ex-husband's son from the time he was one until I guess he was about 12 or so. And I took a different job. I took a job uh, on sitcoms in order to have more time with him. And, uh, you know, that at that time, everybody else was doing tons of film work and doing all these big, huge films. And I was doing television, doing sitcoms, which I loved, 
but I made that decision consciously so that I could be there for him and, um, and his mother. So it was, um, there are aspects of the, of the business that you're giving up certain things, but they're also, they're also, uh, led to lifelong friendships with people, um, from doing Sabrina, the teenage witch and everybody loves Raymond. I, I just ran into a camera operator that I worked with on that show years ago. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, you, you, you develop little families within the, the projects that you work on. And sometimes you have to, you have to learn how to get in and make friends really quickly. Cause maybe the project's only like three or four months long. So, but you end up having these really great relationships with people and, um, and it's an incredibly rewarding business. You just have to have a kind of thick skin. <laughs> yeah. Well, for sure. I, I definitely know that. So were there any pivotal moments that I know you've mentioned a few, but that really were life changing as far as your career? I know Ryan Murphy is definitely one. Um, are there any others that you didn't share? Well, I worked my friend, I met my friend Tanya McComas, who's a very um, talented makeup artist. I met her years ago in the nineties and I ended up doing quite a few Clint Eastwood movies with her, worked with Jamie Lee Curtis quite a few times with her. That was a pivotal moment. She's a, still a really good friend of mine. Um, there's a, I worked on a movie. I, I ended up getting recommended for a movie called Alpha Dog that Nick Cassavetes directed. And uh, it was a ton of, of tattoos and makeup effects and all kinds of fun stuff on it. And I ended up meeting my husband on that. And that was one of my favorite projects I've ever worked on. Um, I did a film last year called Hillbilly Elegy, and that was an incredible situation that I had three women that the producer, the hairdresser, and the department head of hair, and then um, Kate Bisco, who does Amy Adams, they she couldn't do the project. So the three of them asked me to do it last year, and I made the move to do it because Ron Howard directed it, and he's one of my all-time favorite people I love his career I love everything about him so <laughs> I, I was like it wasn't it was an opportunity I couldn't miss so um there's been so many so many pivotal moments um there's been a lot of moments that although they weren't necessarily the highlights and uh, but I learned so much from maybe even some bad moments and made me realize that I need to um take care of myself and things that I probably shouldn't have been working as hard as I was. And maybe my health suffered a little bit. There's moments like that too. So it's all learning. It's all learning and, and, a, and a journey, all of it. <laughs> yeah. You have such a fascinating um, journey. It, I can <laughs> talk to you all day, but I'll be mindful of your time. Um, so you mentioned a lot of amazing mm -hmm. mentors in your life. Is there anyone else that maybe was even more of an influencer or um, really impacted your life that, and maybe it's not even somebody that knows that they're this person for you. Is there anybody that you didn't mention that were well, pretty um, significant? I mean, everyone always says that that works in makeup effects or that works in, um, you know, any type of, uh, it's mostly men, but there's a lot, there's more, a lot more women now uh, doing makeup and having these, these same people that they look up to. But Rick Baker was a big influence of, in my life. Um, v Neal, who was like one of the very first women that was doing makeup. Um, and she's a friend of mine now, which is incredible. I'm, I feel incredibly lucky to, to know her. And um, 
they both, they both um, were doing projects that I was just completely fascinated with. Um, so th- those two people, obviously Michael Westmore is a huge one. I had, um, you know, I, the only person that I knew that was in the film business was my parents' best friend's husband, who was a very famous music editor. He worked for Jerry Goldsmith. He's also since passed away, but he was like an uncle and he was always very encouraging to me. Um, uh, he didn't, he just always said, you know, working in the um, makeup effects shops, uh, he did, had done a lot of horror films and he said, you know, it's going to be a tough road and I think you'd be better off, um, you know, in a design capacity or a department head capacity where you could do anything you wanted. And I, and I kind of, I, I had that in the back of my head and I, and I ultimately ended up um, acting on that. So, um, his name was Kenny Hall. So he was, um, he was a big influence, but, um, I'm influenced by a lot of people. I'm, I'm influenced, you know, uh, my early influences obviously were, um, Rick Baker and, and, and Venial. My husband's pointing at himself saying, I'm your influence right now. Just so you know, he's pointing at himself. <laughs> And share with our share with our audience. <laughs> His name is Mike McCash, and he is an incredibly talented artist. He's he blows me away. He's always um, making me a better person as far as um, art as far as art goes and makeup goes. And um, he's an amazing, not only um, a prosthetic artist and design a person, um, graphic artist, but he's a very talented beauty makeup artist as well. And um, I met him on a that film alpha dog and we've been together for 16 years and um he's incredibly funny and uh we've yeah we've been together a long time and we still have a lot of fun together he has a lot of emmys himself so (laughs) he's uh and do you work yeah we do we work usually the last couple years we haven't worked together that much but we've um we usually work at least on American horror story together, which is, um, he did it last year. He was the department head on it though. He, I, I was doing, um, hillbilly elegy and I started, um, a show called Hollywood that was out earlier this year. So, um, Ryan had me over on Hollywood. So he was department head on, on American horror story. And, um, and so that was the only season that I, I oversaw it, but I didn't, I didn't actually do makeup on, uh, 1984. But uh, we're going to be going back to do this season, um, which hopefully will start in the next month or so. We'll see. So uh, we're all kind of waiting. <laughs> are, yeah. Are you both? Are you all? Are you working right I'm now? I'm helping. I just started COVID? working. Um, so been out of work for about seven months, and uh, which is the biggest break I've ever had in my entire career. I think the, the other break I had was probably two months when I had some uh, back surgery, um, but. Uh, he just started back at work. I'm working, I'm working out with a friend, um, who runs the Jimmy Kimmel live. And so I'm helping her out over there and uh, I've been teaching. I taught two classes. I taught a, uh, last weekend, I taught a class for Stan Winston studios for Stan Winston school of character arts. I should say, um, a safety class and, um, um, mentioned, you know, sanitation conversation and showed the bag of all the goodies that I got and talked about how important it is nice. to take that class. And, um, and I taught on Sunday also for Rhonda O'Neill's new school called beyond the combs, which is here in Los Angeles that she just opened in the past few months, actually. So Mike and I taught an injury class, um, on Sunday, but we've had a couple days here and a couple days there. Mike was the key makeup artist on, um, 
on Lady Gaga's 911 video. And we did that. Was that in August, Mike? I think. Yeah. So we did that. Uh, he was, he hired me and uh, uh, my, and our, our regular team of people, Kim Ayers and Sylvie Knight to come and do, uh, do that with him. And we did that in full PPE gear out in like 107 degree weather. It was insane. Um, but we got a good feeling about how it is to work in all the gear. And um, that went really well. So uh, we've just had a couple little gigs here and there, but for the most part, we've been off this whole time. We've been doing a lot of work around our house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think everyone, right. That's great. So yeah, we did hear that you were teaching a little bit. And in fact, off, um, off recording today, I'll have to chat with you about some ideas that, um, that we had about that. Cause we were like, Oh, we didn't I, know she's teaching. Once in a while That's I am. Yeah. Really I do it once awesome. in a while. And, um, it's really hard. So I don't know how everybody, I don't know how teachers are doing it. And I can, I can only imagine how it is for parents right now doing, uh, being part of all of their children's zoom classes and everything. It's just, it's hard to just do one day. Um, my dad teaches, he's still working. <laughs> I don't know how he's doing it, but he teaches, business classes. Um, he's a professor at a business college and he's 77. He's still teaching. He's, I don't know, he's crazy. Um, but he's, um, that, but that's like the, that's like the hardest job. Teaching is really hard. It is, but it's so rewarding at the same time. I, I don't teach anymore here at the Academy, but I, I definitely did for many years. And it is, it is challenging sometimes. Um, there are mm -hmm. people that are not mm -hmm. teachable. Absolutely. Um, but I think when you connect with that student and really make a difference in their life and, you know, support their dreams and give them all the skills needed to move forward, it's so rewarding. It's more rewarding than oh, any makeup great. I've ever done in my life. So, yeah, I, I think it's just, a, it's a different dynamic for sure. Um, so this is so much, so much great content. I love it. I, I'm so oh, thankful absolutely. that you're sharing all this. When you feel like when when and I know that some of my guests have said I don't think I've gotten there yet but when did you feel like you finally reached success for some people it's money for some people it's accolades sometimes it's their resume it's who they've worked with in your mind when did you finally say wow and, and I feel as as a creative sometimes we don't ever give ourselves credit because we really are right constantly improving what we're doing so you know we almost don't see or feel the success because we don't let ourselves so with all those precursors is there a point where you you said you know this is success I, I have made a living and and sustained my lifestyle based on what I what it is I love to do was there a moment in your I mean life I think it was that way I don't even know if I could call it success but I was paying my bills <laughs> that was like a huge that was huge for me was paying my bills. I, I think maybe when I got in the union, I felt very successful that I had accomplished something that I'd really wanted, really, really wanted to do. Um, I felt, uh, you know, there's been some accomplishments that I've been really proud of, even ones that are outside of the film business. I struggled my whole life with math and I ended up taking a math class after I got in the film business and I got a B which with a tutor I mean that was like a huge accomplishment still for me <laughs> um 
but there's, I mean, I think it, I think it was paying bills. I mean, I think it was right at the beginning. I made such little money when I first started, I think I was making a hundred dollars a week and I was living at home and driving. So it was, but then once when I was able to move out on my own and, and I moved out when I was 19 and I was paying my bills and I wasn't able, didn't have to depend on my parents or to give me any money. I think that was a huge feeling of success. Um, and you know, later on when I, I think it was awards are wonderful. I don't necessarily think that they're the end all or that they should be actually the pinnacle or the thing to be working towards. I don't think it should be like, I want to win an award. I think it's more, you should be happy with working on projects that sustain you and that fulfill you. Um, so I think, I think a lot of it too is, the longevity, my career is still going. I think that feels very, that feels very good to me. I still have so much that I want to do and so much that I want to achieve. Um, yeah. That was my next question. I'd like to do more film work. I really enjoy, I've always enjoyed doing film. Film was the, my original project. Um, I ended up, you know, taking television because, um, you know, cause I wanted to be able more, more available for my stepson. Um, and I loved it. It was really a fun show. The Sabrina, the teenage witch was probably one of my other big, huge stepping stones for me because I was department head on a, on a show that was actually paying real money. And, um, and I was running a department with uh, makeup effects and beauty. And it was a really fun uh, group of people. It was like the same crew for the all seven seasons. It's still one of my favorite projects I've ever worked on. And I really loved, loved the people and loved the work. Um, and so that was another one that was a big deal, um, that I was able to, you know, raise my stepson, have a life. Yeah. I wanted to ask, I wanted to ask you about that. Cause I feel like our listeners would want to know film yeah. obviously is very different from television. So when you say I'm able to raise my stepson, what did that yeah. mean? The hours, the, well, you're, the you're in town, your schedule is very set, like with, with sitcom work. Sometimes you don't even have to work on a Monday. You're getting paid to like stand by on a Tuesday, say you're shooting on Tuesdays. You come in at 11 and you're usually done by seven. So it's a very small amount of time that you are actually having to be at work. Sitcoms are perfect for parents. Um, they have, it's, it's a, you're getting paid maybe three for three days of the week. If you have two sitcoms, you're golden, you know, you can do, um, you have a much more flexible schedule as far as how much time you're actually at work and being able to be home. It's a little bit closer to like a nine to five situation. So you can, you can still have, I mean, it's harder for women in the film business because usually with men that work in the film business, their wives are at home or their partner is at home taking care of the children. Um, if it's women, you know, that are working, it's, if you don't have a partner at home, raising your children, you're talking about daycare. You're talking about people that are watching your kids and hopefully you have a, you know, a parent or somebody that's close that can watch your children while you're at work. It's incredibly difficult to have children in this business. And, um, I just kind of, yeah, a family. I mean, it's family, Mike and I family, work right? really well together. We found each other when we were in our mid thirties and, um, there are times though that, he and I will be with the film business. You can be on location for months at a time. So we've managed to 
figure out that, you know, like we can go like about three weeks without seeing each other before we start becoming independent of each other. So we make an effort to come to either come back home for the weekend or go, I go out there or he goes out to see me and we've managed to make that work. And that, that really, that really works well. Um, for some people it doesn't work. Um, sometimes people bring their partner with them for the entire duration of the film. It's just, you know, what works for each person. Um, but you can have, you can definitely have a relationship. It's hard, but you have to really make it work. I know somebody that said like, Oh, he's on location. I haven't seen him in five months. It's like, that's not happening. Like that's just not going to work. Like you have to make an effort to, um, to see the other person. And they're the most important and the most rewarding part of your life is your relationships outside of work. Um, so that sure. was, uh, but I was really glad that I was there for my stepson. He's 29 now and he's the most uh, lovely guy. And, um, he has good memories of growing up with having his parents around. So, um, I feel fortunate that I was able to make that commitment. Um, yeah, a yeah, lot of well, people, well you know, a lot of people were doing right? bigger films and bigger projects at the time. And I kind of felt, you know, a little bit left out. Uh, but I was able to kind of go and do things um, in between seasons, um, make the commitment to go do things during that time, which I was, I was, it was wonderful to do other projects. So, um, but I spent a lot of time, I was in town a lot and then I was able to go on location later on. So um, that was good too. And locations are hard. It's hard to be away from home. So sure. it's the best of both worlds being at home. <laughs> um, so Last question. What would you say to keep them um, inspired and in, in pursuing their... Right. Uh, I think... Let's see. Well, I think part of it is that I get emails from people all the time or I get direct messages on Instagram all the time of, I think I want to be a makeup artist. Um, that's at that level when you're saying, I think I want to be a makeup artist, you don't you don't really want to be a makeup artist because if you aren't already sending me pictures of stuff that you've worked on, if you're not already telling me the projects that you've been part of or that you're working in your, if you're younger, you're you're like, I'm doing all the makeup in my theater production at my high school. If you're not already telling me all the stuff that you've been doing since you were a little kid or since you, you, you've discovered makeup, but you don't have, you, you haven't read the books. You haven't, learn the history. You don't know who your mentors are. You don't know who came before you. If you don't know any of that, you're not going to be successful. It's just not going to happen. You need to be diversified. You need to be, have a plan. You need to be, you know, if you want to go to makeup school, you need to um, make the effort to, um, to look into all that stuff. The, the, there's literally a, when people say the world is your oyster right now, There is so much information, so many classes, so much out there on Instagram, on the internet, on, you know, I don't really go on Facebook anymore, but there's stuff on Facebook, but on Instagram, there's so many live classes that are going on every single day that you can learn from. And, uh, this needs to be your passion because there's going to be times that you are not going to love it. And this needs to, it's going to, it's going to be. Uh, you know, this business will be mean to you. This business will make you discouraged. And if you don't have a, a, a seething passion for it, it's not going to sustain you. 
So if you feel, Mm -hmm. if you feel that it's not your number one, have it as your hobby, like do hobby stuff. Like, you know, maybe you're a cosplayer, you know, or, or you're, or maybe you're doing makeups just for fun and you're putting, you know, your demos online. Like that's, that's great too. Like, but maybe that's not, maybe that's not what you, it's not your dying passion and that's okay. Um, but find what is your passion, you know, maybe it's being a landscape designer or maybe it's an architect or maybe you're, you want to be a nurse, but maybe you, or you want to be a doctor or a lawyer, but if you want to still do makeup, like do it on the side. I love that. I love that because you're absolutely right that, um, you, you have to want it so bad that in any circumstance, you're still going to pursue it. Otherwise you aren't going to make it. And I I think that's great to just give them permission to say, you know what, you can love it, but not want to make a full on career of it. And that's okay. And Uh I love that. There's a lot of, there's a lot of opportunities for people to, um, you know, I know people that, uh, some, some, a couple of people that I'd worked with years ago that ended up choosing family over working in the, in the film business. And, um, I think it's incredibly commendable. They still love, I still see them at Monster Palooza. They still, I mean, we have, we didn't have Monster Palooza this year, but hopefully next year. Um, yes. But I, I see them every year at Monster Palooza. They bring their children, their kids are really passionate about monsters and, they still are involved in the business. They still are involved in the world of, of horror, but they've, cho- they've chosen family over that. And that's amazing. It's just, uh, you know, it's not necessarily know your limitations, but it is definitely, um, you know, know your passion. Yeah. Your personal life has to align with your professional. And if they exactly. don't align. Yeah. Well, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for your time. I probably overextended my welcome because they had so much great, great <laughs> not at all. Erin, um, we wish you the best of luck in whatever the future holds. We'll be following you. Absolutely. Um, we recommend, you know, following, following you um, on, you're on Instagram. So mm-hmm. I advise our listeners to find um, your work because it is amazing. You have really inspirational posts. So thank you so thank much. Thank you. Erin, have a wonderful day, and we will definitely connect soon. Okay, great. Thank you so much for having me. It was a a pleasure. Thank you.